Hello, Defenders. This is Andrew Harris. Um, you're listening to the uh, Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. As always, I'm joined by Andrew Decker. What's up, man? Hey, Andrew. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. Just trying to get through this intro a little bit. All right. You, we know you struggle with the intro and outro. I mean, it's the most simple things, and yet somehow... It is, man. Le- leading up to it, I, I always feel like I have to like mentally prepare myself, and, and it just kind of freaks me out. But once we get into it, you know, just kind of like... Would it be easier if, I, if there were a judge present sitting on a bench? Yeah, maybe a jury or something. Okay, I think that right. I think that would help, actually. I mean, it's just like trial. Once you get into it, just kind of, you know, just start rolling with it. Um, so today we have uh, a really great episode um, for all of our podcast listeners. Uh, Raul Navarez is joining us here in Andrew's uh, Andrew Decker's office. Uh, we're going to talk about immigration consequences. Ooh. I know, um, kind of one of those things where you know when I became a criminal defense attorney, I was like, wait, I don't. I also have to know immigration law. This is a lot of it. A lot of it. Yeah. So we'll go. We'll get into that. Um, and uh, Raul, you're you're in in the office on Yay. a hot mic. How you doing? I'm doing great. Wonderful. Glad to be here with you guys. Great, okay, man. Get your face y'all a little closer to the mic. Right, y'all, are so, y'all are so handsome. I can't even stand it. Yeah, right. Definitely <laughs> a face for radio. So, uh, so Andrew, tell me um, briefly. You know, just generally, I guess, what you know or think you know about immigration stuff. Well, I know that right now it is not a good time to be an immigrant charged with any crime in the United States. Yeah. Uh, unless, well, unless you have, have full citizenship status. Right. Um, so you're a naturalized citizen. Um, there are just a lot, of, a lot of things, and the list keeps growing as to what can be a deportable offense. Um, and so any time I ask a client whether they're appointed or retained, Hey, are you a citizen? And they answer no. I then go through a whole other set. You know, like what's your status? Do you yeah. have a green card? Do you have a job? Are you legal? Are you illegal? And I tell them I don't have to tell anybody else this, but I need to know because I know it's going to have consequences down the road. Right. Um, it definitely is just another factor that we have to uh, that that we have to deal with. Right. So. And, and, if, and if I have a question, I can't find it on you know very quickly on one you know on a on a form. Uh, you know, kind of the basic outline form. I actually pick up the phone and call a friend of mine I went to law school with, uh, Jorge yeah. Molina, who does immigration law all, full time. Yeah. Um, and say, hey, man, I've got this guy. This is what's going on. What are some pitfalls? And um, there have been a few times where he's like, Andrew, if that's the charge, I don't know that there's a lesser you can plead him to that's right. not going to get him deported. Here yeah, it gets, it gets pretty Jeez. tough. It gets pretty tough. So. Which is why, you know, usually I'm calling Raul. Um, we office kind of close together. Uh, Raul, before we get started, why don't you just tell the tell the folks how long you've been practicing and, and kind of what led you to where we are today? Well, I'm uh, I've been practicing for 26 years. I started in Dallas. I started in Dallas. I uh, every attorney that I met there would tell me, man, if I had to start over again, I'd go over to Tarrant County because they're so much nicer. And so I'm like, well, what am I doing here? So I came out. I practiced as a prosecutor in a Tarrant County District Attorney's office. I somehow stumbled into Parker County, and I've been here for 20-something years. It's like a black hole. You can't escape. Oh, no, I didn't mean it that way. No, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and so you're well-established, have, have an office right on the square, yep. very visible, um, pick up a lot of clients. How, how many of your clients 
would you say have immigration issues? Probably at least half. If half of them? If, yeah. and, a lot of, and, and because I do do some appointments out of the courts, I get just about, well, I get all of them out of Parker County, and I help them out. And, and usually people think, oh, you got a court-appointed attorney. They're not going to be any good. No. A lot of us do it because we want to help the court system. Right. And in turn, they help us when we have our clients who are retained. So it's a good it's a good thing for both of us. It's not about the money, obviously, because we don't get paid um, very much, but it's about helping the people, and, and whenever it's your turn, you go, hey, judge, I kind of need a little help. Mm-hmm. So uh, it goes both ways, but now right. I've been out here for, my kids went to school in Lido. I've been practicing here. I have an office in Fort Worth, but the majority of my stuff is in Parker County. Yeah, and that, that help that comes from the courts, I think it's, you know, it it really comes, in my opinion, in my experience, from the court coordinators. Like, hey, I'm I can't make it to this hearing. Can we push it back or, um, or something like that? And they they usually give us a, a pass since you know all of us take court appointments right, out here. Right. I think it's well living out here and working out here. I kind of see it as part of my civil duty to to take court appointments. Yeah. Um, uh, because, well, it does. It helps the court, but it also, you know, I, I know. I know there are most most people on the wheels, whether they're in Parker or Tarrant, where I practice, uh, are good attorneys. Most retained right. attorneys are good attorneys. So either way, you can get a good one or get a bad one. Um, but but I feel like I'm a decent attorney, and so it's my way of kind of giving back uh, to the community yeah. uh, to defend people who don't have resources. So uh, yeah, and that and that's well said. Definitely part of our civic duty as attorneys to give back to the community. Um, Raul, when I was a prosecutor some years ago, I went to a CLE on, uh, and they were talking about a Padilla case. Right. What What is this for our listeners? All right. So Padilla, basically, or some of our clients may call it Padilla. Well, you yeah. don't say tortilla; it's tortilla. So it's Padilla. <laughs> so it's Padilla versus Kentucky. Basically, what they were saying is, uh, this this attorney was telling his client, "Hey, don't worry about you. You're, you're not legal. Don't worry about it. You've been here so long; it's not going to affect you. Just let's just move on and just take the plea. It's the best deal for you." Well, and it may have been the best deal for him. The problem is, as an attorney. Uh, it, because it, the, what happens, it ultimately went to the Supreme Court because they took it on appeal and said, hey, I didn't know it was going to mess me up on my immigration status. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, it's so uh, inextricably linked to the criminal proceedings, your immigration consequences, that as an attorney, that's part of the deal. You have to be able to give them affirmative, competent advice uh, to any non-citizen defendant regarding any immigration consequences with regards to a plea. And absent any advice, then you then you're ineffective assistant counsel. I mean, that's part of it. And right. you want to make sure you tell them the best that you can. Now, you don't have to be an expert, but you at least have to address it. Yeah, so the, um, the, the, the main part there is we don't have to know every little nook and cranny of the you know federal immigration code. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Well, there's no way we can, unless you do that full-time. Uh, first of all, I'm not an expert. I don't think y'all are claiming you're an expert. Um, you just, I mean, you really need to at least get to know uh, some of the ins and outs. The majority of things that you're looking for is the length of stay in your jail, that sentence, uh, what types of cases are they, uh, crimes involving moral turpitude and uh, crimes of violence. Right. So, um, and when I first heard the, the Padilla case, I was a prosecutor and I was like, oh, thank God, I don't have to worry about that. 
But really, I think it's the a lot of the onus is is on um, prosecutors as well to just kind of make sure that their plea is good, their record is clean, um, and, and also on the on the court's behalf. Um, I think you know any attorney practicing in a court just wants to make sure they're not having to uh, to come back on appeal um, and uh, answer for for something that should have happened in the first place. And you're absolutely right about that. They, you know, the, the prosecutors, they take an oath to make sure, that, to see that justice is done. The problem sometimes, they forget about that, and they're, they're about moving some cases. Yeah. So it's something that you need to make sure that you address with your client. And part of the deal is, too, is, you know, you look at, we t- I tend to do it sometimes. Uh, it's not a prejudicial thing or a racist thing. Yeah. I tend to look at, if it's, they're Hispanic and they only speak Spanish, okay, I want to make sure I ask them. Well, we got to remember, we have people that are not Hispanic that come from other countries that affect as well. I, I literally now ask every single client um, before I let them plea, uh, regardless of what they look like. And I've had some people look at me and go, kind of with a with a West Texas draw or an East Texas twang, go, I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. And I'm like, yeah. hey, dude, I don't know. I don't know how yeah. long you've been. I don't know where you were born. Um, you know, and so uh, because I've... I've I've had some Canadian clients in your yeah, life, dude, exactly. You know, and they, uh, I've had uh, obviously uh, uh, Hispanic from Mexico, Hispanic from farther south, um, and then you know I've, I've actually represented a couple from uh, Ghana, right? You know that all it all applies. So yes, yeah, that's absolutely correct. And and really, our plea paperwork too has um, some very clear language on it that I go over with every with every uh, client. And I guess Raul. Did you notice a change after Padilla came down? Did you notice a change in the court paperwork and the procedure to take a plea, etc.? Oh, absolutely. And and here's the, one of the issues you have you have that it's been covered in case law. Uh, it doesn't matter it, even if the judge does admonish them on the record. It's important that the attorney has actually discussed that with the client prior to any plea. If you don't at least uh, address it with them then you could be in trouble. So my practice is to always make my clients, um, you still on? Good, okay. We will make my clients initial that part of the plea paperwork because not just to make sure that I cover myself, but it's also to make sure that we have discussed that and they understand it. And I said, do you understand that? And I usually ask them several times, do you understand that this is a situation uh, it could or could not, depending on what situation is, uh, we discuss about the consequences. And so that way, because um, sometimes people tend to forget what we discuss because they do get hit with a lot of stuff. Oh, it, it's it, the, the, the information um, that, that we give clients, especially by the time we're to, to plea paperwork. And, and, and it's, you know, you can go through it, but it's a lot like uh, going to the doctor's office and finding out, uh, you know, a bad diagnosis. Well, you just went numb. And our clients are in trauma situations. Why? Because they're facing jail time or, or fines or, you know, worst case scenarios, deportation. Yep. Um, and so anything we tell them seems to go over their heads, whether they understand it or not. And so to, the, that idea that we have to go over things multiple times, it's not that our clients aren't smart. It's that it's that they're overwhelmed. Right. And, and usually we're we're kind of incorporating three different codes anyways, and then to add in a whole uh, mess load of federal immigration law, um, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So, um, right. Yeah. So, so what would, what would a crime of moral turpitude be? 
Well, and, and that's a good question. <laughs> and some of them vary, so it depends on how they're going to interpret it. And so the issue you've got, the common law interpretive technically a definition is an act or behavior that gravely violates the sentiment or acceptance standard of the community. Well, what does that mean? Well, what does it mean to you? It could mean the same thing to one person or a different thing to another person. So, but you're talking about basically crimes against children, prostitution, uh, any sex crimes, murder, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I know for state crimes, you know, theft is considered a crime of moral turpitude, and that, that kind of has some um, some other uh, collateral consequences, like when you're testifying as a witness in court or something. It, it, are those like misdemeanor thefts? Is that a crime of moral turpitude for fe- in the federal context? Well, and, and that's exactly, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You could have some because... It is, and it has several consequences, because one of them is it could be considered what they call, some of the things that are misdemeanors here, they're considered an aggravated felony under the federal definition. And so, yeah, that could, that's a deportable offense. Uh, and then some things that you would think, like a third-time DWI, it's not. Even though it's a felony, they're like, well, there's not an intent, so it is not considered an aggravated felony with immigration law. So you may just be fine with a felony as opposed to a misdemeanor. Right, and that, that's just another, another reason to, uh, to call an immigration attorney uh, when you're charged with a crime, in addition to a criminal defense attorney. And any good criminal defense attorney, if you do have immigration consequences, if that attorney does not handle immigration stuff as well or in addition to their criminal practice, um, you absolutely need to be calling another attorney to advise you to that. Um, so let's talk about, um, I guess, what, what do you mean by aggravated felony? Well, aggravated felony is uh, a felony where they consider it's going to be deportable. And so even though that's just that's their definition of what they consider something that is a deportable offense. And you may have uh, something that may seem like it's no big deal. Uh, but you, so let's say we talked about the DWIs. You may have a felony DWI. Well, there's no intent, and so therefore, because there was no intent, even if you hit somebody and you, you serious bodily injury, won't be what's called what they refer as an aggravated felony. Basically, like our felonies. But if yep. you're driving with a driver's license suspension, so you intended to drive without um, without a driver's license, now it's become a, it could be a deportable uh, offense because you drove with intent without a license, even though oh, you man. committed a felony. Oh, that's uh, my head hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here. you can't hear me doing this, but my head's going no, no. Wait, oh god, no. yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, for uh, a lot of questions that I get uh, when people are calling my office, um, you know, if a loved one is in custody, um, I always am asked about lifting ice holds, and, and for I guess generally, like, what is an ice hold when somebody's in custody? Can those be lifted in your experience? I mean, what, what is that? What's up with that? Well, and there are attorneys who specialize in that, and please go to an attorney that specializes in that. Basically, they go, they have a hearing, and they request a, a basically a bond. You have to put up money to get out and have a bond pending your, uh, while your case is pending and while you're waiting for a removal proceedings. And there are some cases that you are eligible for a waiver of removal so they say, hey, judge, here's the situation, here's what we have, and so they will not remove, depending on what your charges actually were, and the, 
the sad thing is that they can take other documents where the plea may be one thing, but if somebody puts something in the judgment or the condition is indicating that it was, a fa for example, a family violence, that's an aggravated offense. That's a deportable offense. You may not be able to get a waiver, and you may not be able to get out during bond. Sometimes you can, and many times you can't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you which ones you're going to be able to get out on. Please call an immigration attorney, and yeah. which, which is something that we always recommend and something that if they have an immigrant, first thing I ask, you have an immigration attorney, let's, let us hook up and talk. So right. I know what we can do, what we can possibly <coughs> do that may help them. Yeah, um, and, and that's, you know, I, I love whenever we give, like, the lawyer answers. Like, the, the question, uh, or the answer is, well, it depends. And, and to, or, <coughs> well, you know, call another attorney who may specialize in that. Um, uh, people always tell me, like, well, you're an attorney. Why can't you do it, you know? And uh, I always tell them, like, do you go to a, a brain surgeon when you have a broken foot? You know, like, there's right. two different uh, extremely vastly different types of law. Correct. Well, it, it, the idea that we can know all the law, even even the criminal code and the penal code are enough that if it's not kind of a everyday offense, and, and, and right. we, we, we've discussed DWI on this show before, that's an everyday defense. We all as defense attorneys kind of know what a DWI is, what it looks like, smells like, and what the basics are. We don't have to go to the penal code every time. Yeah. You get outside of those things that we do every day, and we have to go to the code on stuff that we know pretty well. So you get outside of criminal defense, and I'm like, uh, I, I'm slack-jawed. I might as well be, you know, not an attorney at all. Right. Roel, you mentioned, um, you know, crimes against children being um, uh, crimes of moral turpitude, right? And right, right. So if, you know... Uh, if somebody is charged with like a really bad offense, like sexual assault of a child, is there any, is there any lesser included that would not bring somebody in, um, in contact or, or put them in jeopardy of being deported? Well, and some of that depends on what your status is. If you're here uh, illegally and you don't have any papers, you're going to get deported because they're going to put a hold on you and you're not going to be able to bond <coughs> out. And you're going to go anyways regardless of what you, you are charged with. However, if you are a legal permanent resident but you're not a citizen, you could be subject. You may be able to plead them down to something where even though they may have a removal proceeding, they could at least argue that this is not either a crime of moral turd or a crime of violence. And what you may be able to get down to, like you said earlier, it depends. What are the facts of your case? Can yeah. you change it to something that fits a crime that's lesser included? And if if the situation is where the proof isn't there, where you may get a prosecutor that agrees, says, yeah, we, we need to bleed. It's going to bleed to something, but maybe not this. And if you can get it down to something that gives them a fighting chance, that's what you want to do. Yeah. So um, I guess a popular term I've always heard is like somebody has a green card. Is that does that mean they they're a permanent resident? Yes, they're they're a legal permanent resident, but they're not a citizen. So you don't have all the rights that you and I do. And some people, go, yeah, I could have been a citizen, but it didn't really seem that important until you get arrested for something. Right. Yeah. That could that could you know cancel that permanent residency and then have you deported. Um, well, and, and, and so, so even if it's a crime that doesn't get someone with a green card deported, if they're working on their citizenship, that then affects their ability to become a citizen. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned I had clients from Ghana. That was the situation. The wife was working on her citizenship. She was charged with, she was charged with 
uh, uh, a crime misdemeanor, were able to plead her out, or wouldn't affect deportation status. But she was also working on her citizenship, and I told her at the time, I was like, look, you have to know, you won't get deported for this, but it will likely come up when you start asking, when you start taking your, your immigration to U.S. Natural citizen, naturalized citizenship, and sure enough, about nine months later, she called me up and goes, hey, and I was like, we went over that. Yeah. We went over it a couple of times. Um, so so even, if, even if it's not a deportable status, it may affect your ability to become a U.S. citizen, if that's your desire. Yeah. Oh, man. The, well, let me, and let me jump in real quick. What the, with the, uh, the BCIS, which is the Bureau of Citizenship and Immigration Services, uh, they can consider any criminal convictions, even if it's not a crime of moral turpitude or a crime of uh, violence, because it, they, they're looking at, it, does the applicant have good moral character? And if you don't have good moral, it could be an accumulation of cases uh, or something that you've done that they're able to show you don't have good moral character. You're going to be out when you're when it's time. You're not going to get your citizenship, and you could be sometimes deported. Yeah. Um, oh man, that just it kind of reminds me when you're telling uh, when you're just going through that. It reminds me of the 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 story of like the law student who graduated with like you know, hundreds of thousands of law school debt, but couldn't become licensed because the state bar said you've got too much debt to be <laughs> to be an attorney. Um, it, it's kind of like, a, a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't type uh, type situation. No, absolutely. You can overcome some of this stuff, like a significant time since something last occurred, if you have steady work history, uh, and maybe if you only have one or less, you know, or maybe one or two small convictions, then you can overcome it. But it's difficult. The, the the reality is you're not just affecting this person's uh, liberty. You think about so many people that do come over, they have their uh, their permanency, their green card, but they've got kids that are here in the United States that, they, that are born here and they're U.S. citizens. If the, he and his wife or she and her husband, they get deported, who's going to take these kids? So you're not just affecting them, you're affecting a whole family and last thing we need to do is be, be able to have to, you know, us having to support them. So you want to do the best thing you can to give them a fighting chance to stay here, be good citizens, pay their taxes, right. and support their independence. Or yeah. independence, excuse me. Yeah, uh, and that, I mean, that just, I, I think it's pretty interesting when we go to prosecutors with somebody with immigration consequences. Sometimes you find the prosecutors um, wanting to be more harsh on those individuals, um, as opposed to, you know, just a regular, you know, a United States citizen charged with a DWI. Um, and I've always found that to be, um, just way too, way too harsh, like mean spirited, you know? Uh, and so that's something that I, I, you know, I almost try to like fight even harder on, uh, on those cases, knowing what, what these individuals are, are trying to go through, trying to better their life, become United States citizens. Well, and yeah, and you're 100% right, Andrew and Andrew. <laughs> that was it's a, not confusing at all. At yeah, all. yeah, that was a, that was Harris talking a minute ago. But anyways, no, the uh, that's absolutely correct. You know, sometimes you get a harsh response, and it depends on the individual. You know, just like anybody else, sometimes you go, well, I don't care. Well, then they shouldn't have been here, and they shouldn't have violated the law. No, but we have American citizens that violate the law. You know, we're not going to throw their lives away just because. You know, they had a, 
possession under a gram and throw their life away completely for that. That you know, normally you may just get between 180 days to two years, and then it's done. Well, these people they get punished for the rest of their lives. Yeah, um, you know, another question I I did a lot too is like what uh, something about a year and a day rule. Does that come into play in immigration courts? Absolutely. It's um, and one of the considerations, certainly if you get, it's not what they can get. Let's say somebody's on a deferred adjudication for, for a class A misdemeanor, which you can get up to a year. So if it's a year or more, then you can be, it can be deportable. <clears throat> so if you can get like 364 days instead of 365 days, you may give them a shot to at least be able to argue that they should be able to stay and get a waiver of removal. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, really, I mean, we're just <coughs> finding more and more responsibility on the criminal defense attorney. Um, and, and I guess, like like you said, if, if they do, if an individual comes, they do have a immigration attorney working with them. That's the, the uh, best time to kind of powwow and conference with that other attorney to, to kind of make a plan of action on these cases. Oh, absolutely. That's the, you know, the biggest issue there is getting ahead of the curve Find out the most that you can. And I know sometimes our clients don't always tell us everything because they think, oh, sometimes they think, well, if I don't tell them, they won't know. Well, that's the worst thing you can do is not be honest with your attorney. And I don't know how many times I've found out, well, yes, I have that, but I also have a felony pending on something. It's like, why didn't you tell me that? Let's start off with that. That's going to kill you. Let's not worry about this. But you have to worry about things like, okay, is it possession marijuana under 30 grams? Because under 30 grams is okay. Well, not okay, but it's better (laughs) than having possession marijuana over that. And so... um, but then they, then you're looking at, well, how much time are they going to get? Also, another yeah. thing is trying to get it on the record. How are you going to get, if you got possession under two ounces, possession under four ounces, how do you get them to get that on the record that it really wasn't that? Sometimes it's difficult, especially when you don't have <coughs> the record in a misdemeanor court. Yeah. Right. So um, uh, the, 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 the questions of what they don't tell us, whether, it's, whether we're dealing with a immigrant status or not, those questions of I, I, I tell I told a client yesterday afternoon, tell me you know it, it's one where a phone might come in come into context, uh, mostly for GPS reasons. Yeah, and I'm like, so if we get your phone downloaded, what am I gonna see? Yeah, you know, it's a 19 year old kid, and I was like, I need to know everything. It kind of kicked his mom out of the room, and I started asking him kind of personal questions. I was like, am I gonna find photos and downloads? And, yep. and he goes, well, yeah, maybe. And I was like, look, I said, I just gotta know. I don't care. You're 19. What you do, you're an adult. But I don't want to be surprised when there's something that truly would be problematic. Yeah, yeah. I always tell my clients, do not make me the dumbest person in court. Don't let me walk in and I'm standing there with my pants around my ankles and everybody's staring at me because I just said something stupid or I didn't know and uh, I left something out. They're going, well, what about this? And I'm looking at my client going, what about that? You know, yeah, yeah. don't leave me standing. Tell me. I'm not going to judge. I've seen worse things. Please get over yourself. You're not the most, you know, anything you did, somebody did worse, unfortunately. But you got to be honest with your attorney. You know, yeah, I mean, that that is, um, I, I think it's just comes with a, a level of trust. And, you know, like Andrew said, kind of having that 
you know, maybe that come to Jesus moment or something with your client, just to really get to the truth. Can I get a witness? Can you, there you <laughs> get a witness? Amen, man. Amen. <laughs> please, please, I need a witness. <laughs> Raul, this is uh, this has been great, man. Uh, really appreciate uh, your help in kind of uh, explaining what a criminal defense attorney's role is when handling uh, a case with a client who has some immigration consequences. Anything else you want to mention about immigration law before we kind of wrap this thing up? Yeah, the worst thing about it is uh, is these laws and the way they're applied changes. It's constantly changing. So if I said anything, that's what I'm telling you. Ask an immigration attorney if I said something that may not be up to date. I think it is. I've done my research, but could be wrong. But anyways, right. I'm, so I'm, that's another thing. We're trying our best, and that's what we're supposed to do, is try our best to find out what is going on. To best. If we don't know, we tell them this is probably what's going to happen, but you've got to at least be advised. But your client's got to know, too. I've had a client who, until he got arrested, he thought he was a U.S. citizen because he came here when he was one. And yeah. that's when I told him, by the way, you may be deported to a country that you don't know and that you don't speak the language. Right. Oh, man, that's terrifying. Uh, I mean, people we deal with individuals who are just scared out of their mind anyways. Uh, and then to, to have that come into play, I, I just couldn't even imagine. Uh Raul, thanks, man, uh, for for joining us today. Why don't um, can hey, we, you? We, we, we've got a few questions. We, we do. Like I know. I was about to to jump on into them. All right, all right. You want to go ahead and take the first okay, one? Okay, yeah, let me yeah, take yeah. the first one. So, so Raul, <laughs> we ask we ask all of our guests uh, a few questions. Wait, first of all, I want to tell y'all. Y'all didn't tell me we we're supposed to be dressed. I you came were... here completely naked. Uh, well, it's you, really you, cold I, outside. I, I, actually, I actually was going to tell you, man, I'm going to buy you a belt since you have a problem with your pants falling down in court. Uh, it's not uh, the first time. Oh, Lord. You know, it's almost the end of the week, so uh, Raul's like, do I have to wear clothes today? I don't know. Right. Well, <laughs> it was 30 degrees outside. Most yeah. of us decided to wear clothes today, Raul. Jeez. Um, oh, okay, so, so the question I have, well, first, Raul, wear a belt so your pants stay up in court. Right. That'd be the advice I'd give you. But well, I should what? get pants first. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, it's hard to leave me speechless. Um, but what is what is a piece of advice that someone gave you that you think is one of the best pieces of advice, legal or, or as an attorney or non-legal? Oh, man, something that always comes to mind is be nice. Honestly, it sounds kind of cliche and, and corny, but... Honestly, is like uh, Judge Fender over in County Court 7. Uh, God bless him. He's uh, One of the things he told me is you can get more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And one of the biggest issues I've always, I tell young lawyers is be nice. Be nice to the staff. Because if you're not nice to the staff, especially in courts, they're going to tell the judge. If yep. you're not nice to exactly. an attorney, to other counsel's secretaries when you call, they're going to remember. Your name's going to go to the bottom of the list. When you need help, don't go, oh, ma'am, oh, let me be your friend. They're like, uh-uh. So be nice to people. They can, people can help you if you let them, or they can hurt you if you make them. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's great advice uh, for, for lawyers and non-lawyers alike. Uh, just don't be a jerk. Okay. Uh, be nice. All right, so, so favorite book or a book that you've read recently that you're like, dude, this was a good book. I'd recommend it to somebody uh, else. Anything from Tom Clancy. Love Tom Clancy. I can read yeah. those over and over. You pick anything from Tom Clancy. Not the technical books because those even put me to sleep. Yep. But anything from Tom Clancy. In fact, um, uh, Jack Ryan, they're yeah. coming out tomorrow. To tomorrow, They're coming out tomorrow. I'm waiting for season two. And 
Uh, I love that. That's part of Tom Clancy, and that's one of my. And where do you find films. that? That's it's a show. It's on yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon yep. Prime. Yep. Amazon Prime. If you got Prime, it's free. Check it out. Get season one right now. See, the problem is before doing this, I didn't know what a podcast was. Right. So uh, Amazon Prime. That's what delivers packages. I didn't know I could watch TV on my porch. Oh man. Well, they're um, not. They're not a sponsor of our podcast, so we're not going to plug them too much. But that okay, is a right. really entertaining yep. show. Yep. All right. Last question, Andrew. Why don't you ask him? Uh, Raul, we're I'm married. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that look in your eyes. I'm like, dude, I'm married. Well, you come in here with no clothes on. There you go. I mean, one, share one microphone. So, we're going to say, <laughs> I love you. Oh, I'm sitting on the other way. side of the desk. Yeah. You guys. So, uh, uh, Raul, if, if anybody out there needs help, um, it needs uh, wants wants to ask you some questions about criminal law, maybe some uh, just an overview of the immigration consequences, or or just for anything else. Uh, where do they find you? Where can people find you? I'm right on the square between the main court and the circle and the district courts. My building's a white building at 100 Austin Avenue. Suite That's in Weatherford. Right? right in Weatherford. Yeah, yeah, I'm going there. I'm okay, the you're right. Finish. So, uh, you know, people listen to this podcast all over the world. So we're talking Parker County, Weatherford, Texas. Um, if they if they wanted to find you, you're on the uh, you're online, right? You got a website. I do. It's RollerDevars dot com, and I'm really questioning that all over the world. Kind <laughs> they, of We're not the do, ticket. Man. You know, like, <laughs> I know we've been downloaded in Ireland a couple of times. So. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I'm a P one. So if it, if uh, tickets <laughs> listening to us all over the world, I'm a P one. So. <laughs> all right. Well, actually, I was going to ask you. Uh, I thought Andrew was going to ask you the question: favorite artist or musical artist or band. Uh, man, I, I, John Mayer. Of course, I've always loved Bruce Springsteen. He's been my favorite since the early 80s. I listen to Bruce Springsteen. Buddy mine used to celebrate his birthday every September. Do you know but, Bruce doesn't like his own voice? I don't like my own voice. Yeah, but I you mean, would think Bruce Springsteen has made millions of dollars on his voice, and he's like, no, I hate my voice. Yeah, but if yeah. you listen to your podcast, you would hate your voice, too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, John Mayer, man. you got to have Roll on more often, man. Roll, you need your own podcast, <laughs> I man. I told my kids, I'm going to get a podcast. I was like, you got to have other people. I said, why can't I do it myself? And I'm like, that's not how podcasts work. Sure. Yeah, you do it. I'm going yeah, to get on there the you WWW. All right. There you go, man. Uh, well, thanks for, for joining us, man. It's, it has been a pleasure. Every time, uh, every time you and I talk, I know I walk away with a smile on my face. So I appreciate it. And you've really helped me out in my, uh, in my practice, uh, uh, so far. So, um, right. well, um, man, it's, hey, it's, uh, I got a ticket on it while we're speaking. So it's a good time to end, I think. There you All go, right. man. Hey, I've got one, one little shout out as we're talking about immigration law. Uh, I, I know, uh, the, TC, the TCDLA, the Texas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, is just now releasing their Basics of Immigration book 2019 and 2020. You can find it on their website for those attorneys who are TCDLA members. You get a big discount if you want to buy that book or the CD. Yep. It's at tcdla.com. It's it's a scary world out there with the immigration stuff, and I never I was never interested in dealing with immigration, but somehow I end up having to learn about immigration. So it is what it is, man, and that's part of our duty, and yep. that's what I'm going to try to do to stay on top the best I can. It's a reality, and the way that the law is changing constantly, it's just going to continue to be an even bigger part of our practice, right. I'm convinced. Thank you, Raul. All right, my friend. Don't forget, when it comes to immigration, or even any law, it depends. That's it our answer. Depends. And that sucks, but that's just the way it is. It depends. All righty. Thank you, sir. 
Vamos.